of Waring's Sheridan Chevrolet. The same service department, sales team, parts and collision center, all top professionals in their fields. Waring's Sheridan Chevrolet is honored to carry on this tradition of being Sheridan's top tier full service dealership. Stop by and welcome new general manager, Tim Kugler, Hammer Chevrolet, now wearing Sheridan Chevrolet, 107 East Alger. Our paint department is stocked up and ready to go. Hi, Kurt Smith here for the Sheridan Commercial Company. We're excited to help you with your next painting project. We have added the PPG line of paints along with our True Value paint line. This allows you so many new and exciting options for your next project. Whether you need help with customized color matching or choosing the right product, we're here to help. Great paint, great store. The Sheridan Commercial Company at 303 Broadway. Open seven days a week. Employee-owned Oftedal Construction Incorporated invites residents in Sheridan and the surrounding area to attend a project job fair on March 7th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Best Western Hotel in Sheridan, Wyoming in support of the Sheridan Streets Project starting this April. Oftedal is recruiting experienced underground utility foremen heavy equipment operators, laborers, side dump and water truck drivers to help complete the two-year project. Oftedal representatives will be available to answer employment questions and interview interested persons. Call 406-853-1131 to pre-schedule an interview or apply online at oftedalconstruction.com. That's Oftedal Construction, O-F-T-E-D-A-L, construction.com. What is your business worth? Have you considered buying or selling a business? Our certified valuation professionals at Harker Mellinger can help you determine the proper values in gifting, estate planning, and the purchase or sale of your business. This is Chance Harris. Harker Mellinger has been providing professional valuation services for Sheridan area businesses since 1995. Schedule an appointment today to discuss how a business valuation can work for you. Parker Mellinger, 672-0785. First Federal Bank and Trust, again recognizing another $1,000 cash winner and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Y.O. Theater is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, Shared Media Present, Community Commitment, member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. This morning I am joined by Captain Tom Ringley and Lieutenant James Hill of the Sheridan Police Department. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome back to the show. Good morning. Good morning Floyd. Now, uh, we're finally in the month of March. Uh, thank God. If, you know, February is supposed to be... <laughs> the shortest month, but this year it felt like it took forever. Uh, it, it, maybe it was just the cold. Uh, do you feel the same on that? Yeah, I mean, you, you're kind of between of two thoughts here. We're thankful for the snow and the precipitation to help out um, the agriculture and recreational industries, which is great for the community. Um, but also, 
it's calving season and we've had almost record cold and we're sick of the snow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a, be, be, be great. We should be grateful for it when we get it. Cause usually about March I've started thinking it really needs the snow. Yeah. Otherwise we're going to have fires in the summer. And, and that's something that's always kind of on my mind as well as, you know, cause I love spring. It's my favorite yep. season, but I, we need rain during that time uh even if it's cold rain even if it keeps you inside for a little bit because the fire season by june i'd say yep is is going pretty hard if we don't get that moisture do you have a favorite season um summer definitely you I, like I, summer I, 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 I like the heat summer and early fall um it's just it's a nice vibe around town in, eventually in when you retire you're gonna head somewhere a lot warmer no i, I, I like it here if, if i do retire um and if I wanted to go somewhere warmer, I could have done that three years ago. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I'd see myself sticking around here. Sheridan, people, um, I always tell people, you have to leave Sheridan and come back, even for a week, to really appreciate how fantastic it is. Yeah, I, absolutely. It, it's better than anywhere else. What about you, LT? Uh, I'm probably a fall person. I like fall the best. Do you? Yeah. That's my wife's favorite season as well, but I think Halloween's got a lot to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say Halloween is probably the opposite effect on me. That's my least favorite holiday, but uh, I, I appreciate the cooling down and the changing of the season there. Yeah. And and a lot of people go crazy over those leaves. Uh, you know, I can remember I was working for a newspaper, and every fall they would send me up the mountains just to get photos of the leaf changing, and then they'd have a whole spread in their mm -hmm. newspaper, just those photos. So uh, it's a big deal. A lot of people like to travel and see that, that happening. Now, today we're going to be talking about intimate partner violence, and uh, this is an intense issue. Uh, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence uh, captain what do we define as intimate partner violence uh this may even be a new phrase to a lot of folks out there it is um intimate partner violence is a more accurate term for some acts that we generally refer to under the umbrella of domestic violence um they're incidents of violence perpetrated by a current or former intimate partner um and the dangerous thing about this is these acts are done to gain uh, power and control. Um, the statute includes behavior not, a, not only aimed at um, in, intimate partners, but also um, any adult, uh, another adult uh, previously lived with, um, a parent of the offender or an adult child of the offender, or a person with whom the offender has a child. So even if you no longer one uh, suspect no longer lives with an intimate partner or even has a, a relationship with an intimate partner. If they cross paths and violence takes place and it falls under this statute. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the reason it's such a concern, not only to us, but um, the, the, the prosecutor's office and the uh, I've seen resource center is because passion's involved. And as we know, it's literally, there's a term crime of passion, which people tend to use to get off the hook, but it, it means people are, are not thinking as straight as they usually do. Yeah. But because they're, they're, they're blinded. Uh, blinded by a, a form of obsession. Yes. Uh, and, and, and emotion. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost, I wouldn't say as far as like legal insanity, or, or is that kind of defined somewhere in the middle? I, I, I defer to the uh, prosecutor's office on that. Yeah. Um, they, they're, they're the experts in the legal definitions. Now, um, 
you know, I think a lot of individuals out there have experienced uh, a situation where a bad breakup had taken place uh, and, and two people go their separate ways and those emotions stick around for quite some time. Uh, really, some individuals act on these impulses to know where that person's at all the time, drive by the house type of situations, uh, borderline stalking. Well, yeah, um, driving by a house can be stalking. Yeah. Um, stalking's essentially uh, defined as a, a pattern of behavior um, designed or carried out to harass an, another person. To cause fear, yeah. right? Is that, yeah. yeah, so if someone's driving by my house and I don't see it, then it's probably not stalking. But if I do see it... Um, then it's definitely, if it changes my behavior, if it changes my emotions, then it, it is stalking. Yeah. Uh, in, in those situations, the perpetrator wants to be seen. They want yeah, to they, be, they do. quote, unquote, and, caught. And, and we're, we're going back to the power yeah. and, and, and the control of, uh, of the suspect. Using fear yes. to control someone. Now, how common is intimate partner violence? Uh, it, are we going to look at this nationally, or would you like to look at, at just Sheridan County or Sheridan itself? Well, I, you just uh, you know previously talked about the national numbers and how common it is. Um, you know, one in four, I think you said, women, women yeah. yeah, experience some form of violence. Uh, so it's something that, you know, even if you do not personally experience it, I think you could say with certainty that somebody within your close circle of either friends and family have experienced it. Um, so it's something that... I don't think it is going out on a limb to say that it affects all of us yeah. and takes a toll on all of us in our society. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure in a situation where if we got everybody in a room and everyone was open and honest without uh, suffering from shame, I'm sure we would learn that those numbers may be a lot higher than than we, we know now. Has the intensity of the calls uh, here in Sheridan itself, have those increased or decreased over the last couple of years? Um, the number of calls have remained roughly the same. For instance, um, in 2021, we responded to 90 reports of domestic violence or intimate partner violence. This year, we've we responded to 100. Um, part of the, um, that, that's roughly, the, the, the so where we're at yeah yeah, yeah that that's our, our our goal in a perfect world the number would be zero yeah um as it would be with all crime um but our goal is to keep it below 100 um and our the way we would prefer to uh main, reach that goal is to is through education if we, i think i've mentioned on here before we rarely arrest our way out of a problem if, if ever we we i can't think of a problem we have arrested our way out of but through education, which Lieutenant Hill will talk about in a minute. Um, we want to let people know um, the consequences, but more importantly, the resource available to them before um, a couple that are arguing turns into violence. We prefer to um, intervene at the earliest possible uh, moment during a dispute. We frequently get called to loud noises that turn out to be a domestic dispute, which is kind of fits this definition, except that they're arguing they're not there's no violence. There's no it. violence involved. Um, and uh, like like with, with everything, um, that's why we do bar walkthroughs. Is we're 
educating the public that we are on duty yeah. and we don't want you to drink or drive or overconsume to the point to where you commit a crime. Now, when it comes to uh, the education, um, and, and we'll go into a, a lot of detail on that later on, but uh, one thing that I was always kind of curious about, do you see, while you're out there on your beat, you're, you're doing your job and you're responding to these calls, do you see the effects of places like the Resource Center, education programs, um, do you see those on the street? Do you see those uh, when you answer these calls all of a sudden? Because you've been on the force for a great number of years. Uh, and so is it better now to respond to these calls than it used to be? Um, what, what I will say is the Abstinence Resource Center does a fantastic job of empowering victims um, and letting them know there, there's no shame in being a victim. Uh, being a victim is not the victim's fault. It's the, the fault of the uh, perpetrator. And it's okay to call us for, yeah. for any reason. Um, we, we would much rather respond to someone that's not sure if, if something's going on or they just don't feel safe. Um, yeah. It's kind of like when a, a bartender calls us and asks us to walk them to their car at 2.30 or 3 in the morning. We would, would much rather do that than respond to a, a crime. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we, we, the, the Abstinence Resource Center provides a fantastic, um, we, we could do a whole show on them, and I know they've come here and done shows on them, um, but not only do they um, provide the victim resources and guide victims through the legal process, um, but they also, I think they, what it's not mentioned a lot, they do a great job empowering victims. Yeah, um, to, to to take care of themselves and stand up for themselves and to call us. And so that the the psychological effects of going through something horrendous like this don't stick around as as intensely. And I'll say as intensely, not as as long, because right. something like this happens in your life. It's with you for life. Yeah. Uh, and it's all in how we manage that and either learn from it and move on or stay within it, I think. So I, back to your question, I think probably the biggest change I've seen is that and once again, this is a lot of kudos to the Absent Resource Center and other victim advocates, um, such as Empower Wyoming, for yeah. is that the victim shaming, while, while it was never super high 20 whatever years ago, it's even less now. Um, yeah. It's something that was stressed when I was um, a new officer. This is not the victim's fault, and we need to let the victims know that. But I think the holistic, there's a much more of a team effort in place to take care of the victim and also let the victim know that there's no shame um, because it's, it's not their fault. It's this other person's fault. Who's this uh, suspect who's con trying to control them or hurt them. Yeah. And so the change that you've seen is more like a, a societal change. Yeah. Which is fantastic to hear because then I think in those situations, uh, more help is offered yes. to the victim uh, because people come to the situation with a better understanding and, uh, Better understanding helps everyone in any situation. Yes. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have more with the Sheridan Police Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM. Sheridan.
First Federal Bank and Trust, again recognizing another $1,000 cash winner and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YO Theater is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, Sheridan Media Present, Community Commitment, member FDIC. You bagged your trophy elk. Now imagine having its ivory handcrafted into the perfect piece of jewelry. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, their in-house jewelers can take your memory of the big hunt and preserve it into fine pieces of jewelry to last generations. Using your imagination, the skilled jewelers at Legacy Diamond and Gems can create something truly exceptional. Visit them at 11 North Main Street or online at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Hurry in now. It's your comfort zone, your place to unwind. So why not have it be exactly how you want it? That's right, it's time to spruce up your home. If you're thinking about countertop remodeling in your kitchen, bar, or bathroom, think ahead and plan now so when you're ready for the big remodel, the big remodel will be ready for you. Sheridan Custom Stone is the most experienced locally owned stone countertop contractor in town, so that means top shelf work and great customer service. Visit Sheridan Custom Stone at 1765 South Sheridan Avenue today to start your dream project. Tax season's greetings from your friends at H&R Block. Whether you choose to file virtually, in person, or via drop-off, let's make it a season worth celebrating. File your way with H&R Block and get upfront, transparent pricing, expert help at every step, and a max refund guarantee that means you'll ring in the season by getting every dollar you deserve. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. See hrblock.com slash guarantees. Hi, this is Barb Hodson with your family-owned H&R Block in Sheridan. Visit us today. This is Ken here at Prime Rate Motors, where we understand everybody's situation is different. We recently had a customer that needed to keep his ranch truck, not trade it in. What he needed was a car for town. After visiting with him, we discovered that what he did have was an extra stock trailer. We were able to take that trailer in as a trade-in and got him a nice economy car that was good on gas and easy to park downtown. Stop in. Let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com. Let's get those paint brushes rolling. Hi, Kurt Smith here for the Sheridan Commercial Company. Our True Value Paint Department has so much to offer when it comes to painting. Whether you need help with customized color matching or choosing a paint color combination, our True Value Paint Department can help you get started. We offer a full line of True Value and PPG paints, plus all of the accessories you need to get those brushes rolling. Great paint, great store. The Sheridan Commercial Company opens seven days a week at 303 Broadway. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guests this morning are Sheridan Police Department Captain of the Force, Tom Ringley, and Lieutenant James Hill. We are talking about intimate partner violence. And uh, at the beginning of the show, we talked about its prevalence, its presence, and uh, how it is changed through the years um continuing our conversation what strategies do the sheridan police department use to try and prevent this we talked about education let's let's get into detail on that education maybe that's part of i'm sure that's part of the prevention strategy in the department yeah so we talked about we responded to a hundred calls in 2022 that we defined as intimate partner violence calls of those not all of them involved physical violence. Um, 
we also classified just our disputes and verbal altercations, things like that, that we responded to. So that's a spectrum of calls, which gets a spectrum of responses. And we've uh, talked about our officers and trained them that on the incidents that they are intervening on that have not become violent yet, it's important to put in interventions in place so that that relationship doesn't become violent or doesn't escalate. That's the focus at each step, uh, each call we go to, wherever it falls on the spectrum, whether it's um, you know a verbal dispute in a grocery store parking lot or a violent domestic uh, disturbance in an apartment, we are trying to put interventions in place and take action so that it doesn't go the next step further. Yeah. So, for example, on the uh, incidents that involve just verbal uh, fighting, arguing, altercations that rise uh, to the level that either someone involved or somebody witnessing it calls the police department where you arrive, we use our uh, de-escalation and deconfliction skills that all the officers are trained in and are um, excellent at. I think uh, that's something that people talk about a lot with police and um I'm biased, but I don't think that we get enough credit for how good individual police officers are about lowering the temperature of violence on scenes and and getting people to be peaceful and calmly uh, discuss things and reach resolution. So our officers do a good job of doing that, and that's their first task on a scene. Once they have those things calmed down and they're in a spot that they can do an investigation, determine uh, one way or another, make sure that there was a crime that wasn't committed, uh, then we start working into uh, the education phase and A lot of that has to do with letting people know that there's resources and support for them to help handle these issues, uh, whatever it is that is sparking the conflict in the relationship. And uh, we've got a brochure that we've developed. We've reached out to our community partners and have got phone numbers and websites and things like that on this pamphlet that we'll hand out to people and let them know if you're dealing with substance abuse, here's some people you can contact. If you're dealing with economic hardships, here's some people you can contact. And that's a good way to kind of let, I think it's important for everybody to know, um, we talked about how prevalent this is. You're probably not the only person you know who's gone through this struggle or this bad relationship. And also that there are a lot of people and organizations within our community who are ready and willing to help. Um, You're not alone. And that's kind of the message we try to to give out, especially on those um, uh, first contacts that the police have. And we give that to um, both partners involved. Have you experienced a uh, difficulty in, in trying to dis, uh, remove that stigma, that shame from an individual? Because, I mean, I think all of us would feel it, uh, no matter the situation. You know, uh, yes, we got into an altercation. Maybe it didn't escalate into violence, but it got loud enough that somebody called. And so the, the police had to show up to the door. Now I'm ashamed of myself and I'm ashamed of my relationship and... and uh, uh, those techniques where you just look at someone and say, don't worry about it. It happens to a lot of people, maybe everybody at least once in their life. Is that difficult to get through to people, to get them to communicate with you? Or are there strategies that you've been taught specifically to do that? Or is that more about experience? Uh, I think a lot of it is just um, treating each call as an individual call each person as an individual person uh, approaching that call with just openness and empathy and and working through the situation that's presented in front of you. Uh, You can't go through a checklist and then expect people to respond to that. Um, So we talk about, we have prescribed strategies and things that we officers know to do. And 
those are tools that they can use. They're not just boxes they have to check. Yeah. So they know what they can do to try and talk to people. And it's also important to realize um, you're not going to solve whatever it is that led to that dispute at that time, right? I can't spend 45 minutes with somebody and fix whatever years, months led to that issue. It's more planting the seed and letting them know that there's resources and other people that can help. We're going to put out the immediate fire. And then once that's done, kind of point them in a direction of other places that are going to be able to help, whether that's Northern Wyoming Mental Health or the Advocacy and Resource Center or Workforce Services, whatever it might be. But it's kind of just getting things calm so that they can then reach out for help later. When we look back on the past, uh, even if it wasn't true, there was always a rumor when, when I was younger that if a domestic dispute ends up getting the police involved, Captain... Was there ever a time in your career where it was just the arrest everybody and figure it out later technique? Absolutely not. Yeah. No, there is almost always an aggressor. Yeah. Sorry, a primary aggressor. Um, People still have every right to defend themselves. um, And and that's heavily interwoven into our policy in in regarding uh, domestic violence investigations. And... um, a man or woman is not expected this to take abuse. They, like I said, yeah. they have every right to, to defend themselves. With the term we use is the primary aggressive. We try to identify who started it, who's and who, who's more importantly, who started the violence. Who um, hit first? Kind yes. Of situ- yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a term called mutual combat, to where they both decided to fight, um, and in in that instance. Which is extremely rare. Yeah, um, I've I've seen it once or twice, um, to where the uh, two people are just drunk and they just just the, charging they just, each they other. They just decide to f- they're going to fight each other. Um, so in those rare, extremely rare instances, we have arrested two people. Um, but there's almost always a primary aggressor, even if if two people fight and there's a break and someone reengages the person that reengages would would be a, a primary aggressor um from my experience a, a large percentage of uh during these incidents um it just doesn't start immediately it it's a slow burn throughout the course of a a period of time to where th- there there is a break to and the, the parties are separated but and then the primary aggressor uh, crosses the line yeah to where it's no longer dis- a, a dispute and they've committed a crime well, I'm glad to hear that that was, you know, an urban legend where police just show up and arrest everybody. Yeah, I, you know, it's um, I'm I'm not aware of any jurisdiction that does that. It's certainly not taught uh, in the peace officers' basic course at the Wyoming Law Enforcement Academy. It's not taught in case law, um, but it, it's an urban legend. And maybe it was, maybe it does happen somewhere else. This is the only place I've been a police officer. Yeah, but in in talking. With my, with my peers across the state at, at, at our uh, Lieutenant Hills and Mites level, it, it doesn't happen. That's just not something that takes place. Correct. And that is an absolute urban myth, at least in our area from our knowledge. Yes. Uh, well, that is good to hear. Now, during the initial training of our law enforcement officers, and this includes uh, everyone who would go to the academy with you, so just at the academy in general, I think, how much time and training is devoted to intimate partner violence uh, interaction or or prevention? 
up there just when you first enter the job? Uh, I can't tell you exactly what the hours are, the curriculum are at the academy. Uh, I remember when I went through, I think it was a couple of days instruction uh, where it was just focused on that. Um, one of the important things about handling intimate partner violence or any sort of call correctly is, uh, you know, just as I talked earlier about having tools instead of checklists as you're going through things, is recognizing the tools that can handle various situations, right? We have our de-escalation techniques and ability to talk to people as a, as a person, as a human, is just as helpful on a traffic crash as it is a intimate partner violence dispute. Um, so we are really focusing on our training and how we talk to our new officers during our field training program and throughout our in-service training is here's tools to use on various things. And we want people to um, approach each call as an individual call and not try to categorize everything and, and game out their response ahead of time, but use the appropriate tools for the thing. And, and that's our focus is being outcome and mission focused as you go there and trying to achieve the goals that we want to achieve uh, as a police department to make our community safer and using those tools that are going to make it happen. I've said it a few times on here, but, uh, you know, especially dealing with various crises, uh, our police officers are not therapists. They're not counselors. But I, I just wanted to pose a quick question. If money and time were not an object, if we could take an officer, would you, in your opinion, Captain, would you want your officers to be trained counselors? Or do um, you want to just say, no, that's not their job? No, our, much like everything, our job and our role is to recognize that a problem exists. We don't, much like uh, and mental health issues, we just have to recognize the existence of a problem. We don't need to know whether uh, a person suffers from being bipolar or or we don't need to know that. We just have to realize a problem exists. Um, and much like the victim in domestic violence, it's not their fault. Yeah. And that there are resources um, to go to. Um, I think people, some people don't have a clear-cut understanding of what we do. Um, we're, we cannot, like Lieutenant Hill said, we, we can't fix years and years of problems in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. Or an hour or even a week. Um I, I guess in a perfect world, a, a former counselor would come become a police officer, but um, you have to look at the, the personalities involved. Um, police officers have the working personality, um, which is the, essentially blue collar. We we like to work hard. Yeah, um, counselors probably have a a different different uh, personality strengths to where they can to where they um like to analyze and, and, help yeah. and, and fix over our long term. Go internal more yeah. than anything. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if I have the most common complaint I've heard over the years is that we're, we're very robotic and black and white. Um, that's often coming from people who don't recognize objectivity when they see it. And we're just not taking their side. Right. Um, yeah. One thing that uh, I would like to touch on, on in regards to training, training, um, especially actually for all of our crisis type training is scenario based, based training. We're thinking way back to 2000, yeah, 2000, a good percentage of the scenarios we uh, participate in at, at, in Douglas at the Academy were domestic violence based and with, with good role players 
and uh, fresh training of statutes. And also, um, we're exposed to different perspectives. We're not, we just don't talk about the statutes. We hear from victims. Yeah. We hear from former suspects who have re rehabilitated themselves and not wanted to help. So we, we're exposed to all, all, um, all angles of, of domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And that's what really helps us. It's like we're, we're, um, we're, we're open, like Lieutenant Hill said, every, every call is different and every call is an individual call. Captain, have you yourself ever experienced a situation where you saw an abuser reform, where, where now this individual goes forward into the community saying, look at what I did. I don't want you to follow that same path. Um, I've during trainings I have, um, in regards to someone who I, I may have, um, had interaction, had with. interaction with on a call. No, because we, we don't track them through the system. Right. right. Um, that's, that's not your that, job. That's yeah. not our job. Um, and, and I don't like saying nothing. I, I'd, I'd rather use role instead of job. When people say it's not my job, it, when I hear that from people, it implies that they're not interested in it. Uh, I, I yeah, don't that's a good do point. It. So um, it's not your it's role. It's not our role. There are different roles within the community, and those are counseling services and, and, resor and resource providers. I like that. I'm going to change my uh, vernacular when I, when I address that type of situation because yep. I, I feel that you're very right. Too many people throw their hands up and go, not my job. Yes. And it, it's really given that kind of an ugly look to it. Yes. Uh, so not your role. And much better because, and, some, some, and not our prerogative either yeah um yeah it, it not the mission of the department yeah i mean we, we will talk to people and so it, people come up to us throughout the year saying hey this happened way back when and it really helped but it, as far as track tracking them no we don't yeah yeah, I could only imagine the resources that would be needed just yes. to do that itself. All right, on that, I've got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have more with our Sheridan Police Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Federal Bank and Trust, again recognizing another $1,000 cash winner and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the YO Theater is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. Sheridan and Johnson counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. Call 673-5837 or visit them online at kanefuneral.com. 
Find Atlas Chiropractic at their new location, 41 East Burkett. They're still offering the same great service to all new and existing patients. If you have aches and pains or debilitating back or shoulder conditions, call Dr. Colin Hardy, 672-6000. He can alleviate your pain, reduce your physical stress, and boost and maintain your immune system function. With each adjustment, your central nervous system is supported and strengthened. Call Dr. Hardy, 672-6000. Schedule your appointment with the top chiropractic clinic in Sheridan, Atlas Chiropractic, now at 41 East Burkett. This is Dr. Colin Hardy with Atlas Chiropractic. Be sure to ask us about our new patient specials. Take the first step to a better you. Call 672-6000. That's 672-6000. Your healing begins when you pick up the phone. Face it, you don't want to do your own plumbing and heating work or repair. You need a professional, and that is exactly what you will get if you work with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. Being fully licensed, bonded, and insured, you can rest assured that they will take care of your repairs and maintenance in the very best way possible. Call Wrap Plumbing and Heating at 429-1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. Wyoming Corporate Office is the trusted business choice behind thousands of businesses. Whether it's business formation, payroll, corporate paperwork, mail scanning service, or small business phone service, Wyoming Corporate Office powers over 100,000 businesses worldwide and locally. This makes Wyoming Corporate Office the state's largest business-to-business service provider located right here in Sheridan, Wyoming. If you're drowning in corporate paperwork looking for someone with an unmatched experience that cares and wants to be your partner in making your business successful, trust that Wyoming Corporate Office can help you focus on what makes your business tick. Learn more today by visiting wyomingcorporateoffice.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guests this morning are Sheridan Police Department Captain of the Force Tom Ringley and Lieutenant James Hill. We're discussing intimate partner violence, something that affects far too many people in the world, far too many people that we know. Maybe it's affecting you. Uh, We've talked about trainings. We've talked about uh, frequency here within Sheridan. What about the strategies? So, uh, Lieutenant Hill, you spoke at length about the the tools that people can draw from to prevent this, or people, uh, our officers can draw from, to prevent this from uh, uh, getting worse. But when you leave the situation... It's essentially out of your hands. If, if no one was arrested or if one person was arrested, how often uh, do you end up seeing the same situation again with the same individuals? How often are those resources actually being utilized? Uh, I think actually there's probably more room for hope than what we generally uh, think about in these situations. That's good. Um, most... Incidents that end up resulting in physical violence and end up in an arrest because if there's been physical violence and we can determine somebody committed a crime, we're not going to tolerate violence. You're going to go to jail at that point. Um, but most of those people, you know, who, who got there have committed some sort of dispute or stuff before, right? We know that we've often been there before if it gets to violence. The other side of that, though, the but is most of the times that we go to a verbal dispute, we never go back. 
Oh, wow. Really? You know, it, it doesn't. And so I think that's an important message for people in situations that are, you know, if you're not in a good relationship, you're seeing kind of some of these warning signs of control and cycles of power and isolation, these things that are happening. It's not a one-way ticket. You can, that relationship can take a different line. It is not doomed to violence. It's not always going to get worse. It could, and you need to listen to those warning signs. And if things continue to escalate, take steps to protect yourself and remove yourself from that relationship or, um, but if, if you find yourself in those warning signs, you can take some steps ahead of time. And, and, you know, that's kind of our message with these resources and getting them in touch with different partner agencies in the community is you're not doomed to violence. Um, this you can, can find be a better way. Yeah. There's hope. There's always hope. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad you delivered that message because that is something when you look at statistics and you're looking at just the numbers, you know, it can be a little bleak sometimes and you start to wonder, gosh, you know, is this just the way we are? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to hear, you know, an officer, a lieutenant, someone who's been around and done this for a while say, no, there's always chance for hope. I think that means a lot coming, coming from uh, both of you, uh, that this isn't, this isn't the road we all have to travel down. Now, what strategies do we actually employ to prevent IPV from happening in the first place? Is that, like, do we hold classes, courses, or is that for somebody else? Where someone might think, I might be in this relationship, I should maybe attend this or, or read this pamphlet. Are there strategies that we have to help people prevent this from even starting? As you said, we kind of point them to different uh, agencies within the community who can address some of those things. Um, you know, maybe you need to do a anger management and work with, you know, Northern Wyoming Mental Health or another uh, mental health practitioner to help you get some coping strategies. Or you work with a uh, minister, maybe your, you know, a faith-based organization is helpful for you to kind of do that. Or maybe it's just, you know, I've got a lot of stress because a financial situation. Maybe I need to sit down with a financial planner and work on a budget. There's all of those things that I think are strategies to help and avoid that. Um, none of those are necessarily run by the police department, which is probably a good thing. You know, we talked about counseling and, and that sort of stuff earlier. I think it's good for each organization and person to have a specific mission and goal. And our goal is to uh, make the community safe, to enforce the law, to investigate crimes. Um, that's what we're here to do. And we want to prevent violence because that's about making the community safe. Um, and so some of these other things are more appropriately handled by other people whose roles are more closely aligned with helping, you know, whether it's financial counseling or personal counseling or whatever that might be to, to be helpful. Um, and a, a, another strategy that we use is arrest. Um, that's a strategy and it's a viable one that we do. If, if you've committed violence, it needs to be known that you will go to jail. Uh, the police department and the community as a whole, Sheridan is not a place where we're going to tolerate violence, whether that's a uh, fight at a bar or whether that's uh, harming an intimate partner or a child or whatever. If we have probable cause that you've committed a crime of violence, we're going to take you to jail because that's, that's what we've set up. And that's an intervention to let you know that we take this seriously and that, uh, that'll hopefully prevent things uh, from escalating further to know that you don't get a pass. And I'm glad you brought that up as well, because that is a strategy, as you said, yeah, um, and something that happens and something that will happen. 
So let's talk about arrest. Um, in, in most of the situations when violence has occurred, it's probably, and again, this is me looking from the outside, it's probably apparent, or is there a lot of investigation that pro- has to go into the majority of these cases from what you've seen? Because in some situations, maybe the victim doesn't want to talk. Yeah, um, we don't and can't make any arrests based strictly on hearsay. Yeah. We, we have to have evidence. When we have, especially with the domestic violence, it's important to note that the domestic violence statute mandates an arrest upon probable cause. Mandates. Yes. You have to. Yes. Um, Actually, and this is one of the the very, very few misdemeanors to where we can arrest on it, even if it doesn't happen in our presence. Um, We can arrest up to, execute a a warrantless arrest up to 24 hours after after the incident took place. but all, all of our arrests are evidence-based. Yeah. Um, if, um, when, when we're called, it's generally for a reason. Um, and then it's up to us to, to uh, process the, the evidence on scene and to include statements um, and physical evidence um, and, and make our arrest decision at that point. There is actually a, um, an unlawful contact um, statute, which is kind of can get in the way of, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it is a portion removed from the, the battery statute years ago to yeah. where it's kind of a lesser charge. But in regards to an, a, a domestic violence arrest, if we have probable cause, which means a, it would cause a reasonable person to believe a crime probably exists, took place, then, then we arrest. In a situation where maybe a young man and a young woman are arguing, she goes to walk away, he reaches out, grabs her wrists, and prevents her from leaving. Is that assault? Yeah. I mean, right? You're taking, you're putting your hands on somebody without their permission. That's as we talk about with battery. Uh, you're touching somebody in a rude, insolent, or angry manner. Um, you're preventing them from their freedom of movement. Um, yeah, generally, if you're laying hands on somebody in the middle of an argument, there's going to probably be some sort of crime that was committed. And, you know, you talked a little bit about our training and stuff and the investigation these officers go through. Um, one of the, the things that we tell officers as you're investigating these intimate partner violence incidents is to treat this closer to an attempted homicide case and not a bar fight. Um, oh, just wow. because this might look obvious to you, you want to gather up all the evidence because uh, the victim may not want to cooperate further down the road. So you want to gather all the evidence so that even if they do not want to testify in court, you can still proceed with the proceedings because you have so much evidence gathered. And we know, we say that also because we know how serious these crimes can be. Um, I said before, it doesn't have to result in violence. However, we know that if there are serious incidences of violence, especially in a city and a community like Sheridan, it's probably going to be intimate violence related. So we want to make sure that we conduct these investigations um, with the gravity and the, the seriousness that they deserve to make sure that we are compiling a, a strong case and gathering the evidence and understanding the situation. We don't want to just show up um, and say, okay, this person has a black eye, this person doesn't, they're going to jail. Uh, we, we want to dig through and look in for all the evidence that will corroborate and surround the incident. In a lot of these situations, because, I mean, you're officers, you wear the shield, but you're human. You have to feel some sort of maybe anger when you answer to this, these calls, maybe to the same house we, every single time. We feel everything. We feel empathy for the victim. Yeah. We feel frustration and anger. 
Um, we will act on our empathy, but we can act on our frustration and anger though. Yeah. Um, we, dang, what we personally think of someone committing a crime, um, and this goes back to hiring the right people. Um, we, we don't act on our, in, in making an arrest, we, we don't act on our emotions. You know, people frequently say to me, I, if I became an officer, I'd really crack down on it. Well, that's because you're acting on emotion there. Yeah. Um, the hatred of the it, crime. It back, yeah. yeah. By all means, we act on positive, give positive emotion to victims. But in, in regards to making arrest decisions, it's all statute based and, and, and evidence based, of course. And that takes a lot of self-discipline. I think, and and I think self-discipline is something that uh, we haven't spoke on a lot uh, when, especially, you know, talking about hiring the right individuals. Yes. I think self-discipline is a huge, huge factor in that. Because uh, we've all seen those individuals who do act on emotion. Their emotions control them. And, uh, it, you know, that would lead down a bad path if, if now they had the authority of an officer behind that. Yes. Uh, and, and, Throughout the nation, we've seen those situations. Luckily, not here. Now, as a reminder, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do want people to know Sheridan Police Department has a safe exchange place. What is this? Um, and we've had this for a year, and we're still proud of it. If people, it's for any reason to where people um, are exchanging anything. Um, it's uh, on a recorded camera. It's a great, we'd recommend people conducting uh, child custody exchanges. Um, or if they're selling goods, you know, we just read about it off, actually an off duty officer in New York was shot, um, and robbed of money because he was going to buy cash. He had cash to buy a car. It was a bogus, um, social media thing. And, um, he was shot and robbed. Um, this is a safe place to, to conduct transactions. Um, we're not going to come out and watch and mediate anything, but it, it's, it's, it's on camera and it's out in the open to where everyone can see you in a very well lit area right in front of the police department. Uh, the spaces are clearly uh, marked. Fantastic. So if I need to have an exchange, that's where I can go. Yes. And I know you've got my back. Yes. That's fantastic to know. Uh, utilize that, folks, if you can. Also, if you are in immediate need of assistance, call the Sheridan Advocacy and Resource Center Crisis Hotline 307-672-3222. If you need help, please contact the Sheridan Police Department 307-672-2413. Captain LT, I want to thank you both for coming in here and speaking with me about this. Uh, It's a sensitive issue, but it's something that we need to talk about. We need to destigmatize certain situations and, and ideas within the community. Thank you. Thank you, Floyd. Thanks a lot for having us. All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Share. Federal Bank and Trust, again recognizing another $1,000 cash winner and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Y.O. Theater is receiving these funds 
per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, shared media present, community commitment, member FDIC. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. The app is now the only place you can earn My McDonald's reward points on every McDelivery order. Plus, you can get those free McDonald's rewards you earn delivered, too. Just order, relax, and enjoy. McDonald's will bring your faves to you. Just go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving. Download it now. McDonald's, Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Hey, this is Lisa Stofan. Heard the Mark Patrick weight loss hypnosis hype? Well, I attended because my father stopped smoking with hypnosis. Hypnosis eliminated my desire for soda and fast food, made me want to exercise, and I lost 60 pounds in six months. My energy level exploded. I went to another session to deal with some other problem foods, and I lost another 10 pounds. In fact, I brought my husband. He lost weight. More important, cholesterol and blood pressure improved. My friend went, and she lost 20 pounds in the first two months. So does Mark Patrick hypnosis work? Oh yeah, it works. Nothing has changed my life more. Well, except maybe my husband. He's so proud of me. Makes me cry. What are you waiting for? Join Mark Patrick seminars and lose the weight or stop smoking guaranteed for only $49.99. That's right. Weight loss seminar Wednesday, March 8th at the Ramada in Sheridan at 5.30 p.m. Registration at 5. Stop smoking seminar at 8 p.m. Registration at 7.30. Sign up at markpatrickseminars.com. Employee-owned Oftedal Construction Incorporated invites residents in Sheridan and the surrounding area to attend a project job fair on March 7th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Best Western Hotel in Sheridan, Wyoming in support of the Sheridan Streets Project starting this April. Oftedal is recruiting experienced underground utility foremen heavy equipment operators, laborers, side dump and water truck drivers to help complete the two-year project. Oftedal representatives will be available to answer employment questions and interview interested persons. Call 406-853-1131 to pre-schedule an interview or apply online at oftedalconstruction.com. That's Oftedal Construction. O-F-T-E-D-A-L construction.com 103.9 FM is News Talk 930.